2 Timothy chapter 3. Every time I think I've preached this chapter to death, <laughs> the Lord opens it again. 2 Timothy chapter 3. As we begin to study on a biblical worldview, one of the things that I begin to understand and realize is that what we are up against was prophesied. Most people don't look, probably do not look at a pastoral epistle in the, sec, in the third chapter of, of Paul's letter to, second letter to Timothy as prophetic. But the more I read on things I was studying, I began to read that it was a prophesied situation that we are in. Second Timothy, Second Timothy is Paul's final letter, his final thoughts to the church, his last words, if you will. As you know, Paul was, was a highly intelligent man, highly educated, and a thoughtful writer, of course, writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God to begin with. But he was who was given the revelation of the new covenant. He was who taught, uh, taught them and who was teaching us what it means to be a Christian and how to live for God. Paul's writings are literally how to live for God. What it means and how to do it. And so knowing that his departure was at hand, and yes, he knew it because he writes it in the final paragraph of the, chapter, of the book, that the time of my departure is at hand. He was about to die. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. So his words and his thoughts were deliberate. And I don't know, I think you know it, that people's first words are important. But what people most of the time want to know is their last words. This is, apostles, this is the apostle's final thoughts to the church that he gave his life to. And I don't mean first assembly in Rome. I mean to the church that he gave his life to. So it's important. And somehow, by the Spirit of God, Paul saw forward some 2,000 years is what he done. And he wrote it very clearly to where we're at. There's a lot of things that we are up against today in the church and in the world. Yes? Not the least of which is apathy. I'll let you find it there. <laughs> Not the least of which is apathy. That's certainly true. Just don't care. Complacency, certainly. Without a doubt. But really where we're at, it's just postmodern Christianity. That's where we're at. Postmodern Christianity. Which began with postmodernism. <laughs> Back in the 50s, 
actually began probably in architecture and design. But its influence began uh, among the French intellectuals. That ought to be, that's kind of an oxymoron. I shouldn't have said that. But among the, the, the intellectual crowd, the French intellectual crowd, they began to develop uh, a philosophy on postmodernism. And it's about as easy to nail down what that is as it is to nail jello to the wall. Because like all these false things that come out of it, about the time you can label it and put a name on it, it's like a, it's like a serpent, like a snake, like a viper. It just sheds its skin. And repre- represents itself something fresh. <laughs> and it's made its way, as most things have, into the church world. Hear me, I'll say it again for the thousandth time. The church is here to be counterculture. I don't know if you know it, but the, but the church of the living God was in its inception and, as, and it was created to be and always will be. The true church of the living God will be countercultural because they are called out. The church means literally the called out ones. The ecclesia of God. They are the called out ones. Come out from the world and be you separate, says the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. We are in this world, yet not of this world. The church is the, is the, is the, the, the first assembly of the redeemed. The blood-bought people of God. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus when you said yes and you began to follow him and make him Lord of your life. It's supposed to be the unchanging stability of the world. It doesn't mean that the, that the, that the, that the decor doesn't change. I got more preachers and parishioners mad over carpet than, than, than doctrine. More people upset over the lights than over the light. More people upset over if it's on the wall or in the hymnal than who and what they're singing to and what they're singing about. Because see, postmodernism is more about experience over reason. It's subjectivity over objectivity. Here's my favorite. Spiritual, spirituality over religion. Everybody's spiritual today. Say, so you believe, well, I'm spiritual. Well, so is the devil. Satan himself, he's spiritual. He's a, he's a created being. A, he was an angel. He is an angel. He was a holy angel. And he fell. And guess what? He's still a super natural being. He's spiritual. Oh, I'm, Pastor, I don't know, but I'm spiritual. Yes, you are. Demons are spiritual. Postmodernism is images over words. Well, and that's taught in the world. That's taught in the church. Visualize it. They say visualize it. And it becomes reality. You know what that is? 
That's a false image. Do you know what that is? That, that is, that, that visualize, that is hocus pocus. That is new age believism. That is, that picture, picture it and it becomes reality. You've got to have some foresight for certain. But where does your foresight come from? The Word of God. What does the Word say? What is postmodernism? It is outward appearance over inward substance. What do I mean? Does it look good? Do you know what that, that goes? You know where that goes? It goes all the way back to the garden. It says that the woman saw that the fruit looked good. Go, go see it. It says, and she saw it was pleasing to the eye and was good for food. And so she partook and then gave to Adam, who was there. By the way, he was there. He was there. The, the problems are the same. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. And the pride of life. This is why it was an imperative statement in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. When Paul, after beseeching the brethren to offer themselves a living sacrifice. He said, and be not conformed to this world. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to change your mind. That, that, in fact, that is repentance. Uh, re, repentance is a change of direction and a change of mind. It's not crocodile tears and I'm sorry. Oh, true repentance surely comes with godly sorrow because godly sorrow leads works to repentance. It certainly comes with godly sorrow but being sorry without a change is just emotionalism. Well, we ought, to, we ought to preach on the isms and the schisms. Because I can tell you, I've never found an ism yet that was scriptural. Well, let me talk about that a second. I never found an ism yet. Postmodernism. Humanism. Secularism. Everybody said amen. Then I said Catholicism. Oh, and you got all mad, but, but let me help you. Pentecostalism. I've never found a ism yet that was scriptural. Oh. Oh. Because isms create schisms. <laughs> and confusion. God's not the author of confusion. He does everything in decency and in order. Isms. See, when you get off in the isms, you've left the word. So we got postmodernism that's rooted in humanism and secularism. You say, well, that's brand new. No. Humanism goes all the way. What is, it? What is humanism? That, 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 hum that humanity is the highest form of enlightenment. 
And the more educated we are, and the more progressive we are, and the more, <laughs> the more enlightened we become, we become the hope and the help of humanity. It's in us. Humanism. Hmm. <laughs> How far back does humanism go? I'll tell you. Humanism goes back to, in the day, did God, did God say? Has God said? And, she, and Eve says, yes, he said in the day that uh, you can eat of anything in the, any tree in the garden, but except the tree in the midst of the garden, the day that you eat of the garden, the tree in the midst of the garden, you shall surely die. Neither eat of it nor touch it. You shall surely die. And the, and the enemy says, what? You will not surely die. He says, God knows. Here, here's the humanism coming. You ready for it? This is in Genesis. That's the first book. The book of the beginnings. Where it all started. And the enemy says to Eve, he knows that in the day that you eat, you will become like him. You'll be as God. Do you know what she did? She ate. Y'all hear me, I'm going to repeat it again because y'all never heard a cell phone before. Let me, let me tell you, when did humanism start? When, the, when Eve bought the idea that God was withholding because he wanted to be superior. And in the day that you eat of the fruit that he told you not to, you're going to be as God. So what did she do? What compelled her to eat? I just told you. She wanted to be his God. And I, as long as I'm upsetting apple carts this morning, it worked all the way down through the ages and found its way into the Word of Faith movement. Oh. Say, so what is that? I have to tread lightly because I don't... I have to tread lightly because I know how people get when you start messing with their idols. It found its way to E.W. Canyon. Then it found its way to Kenneth Hagin. Then it found its way to Joyce Myers and Kenneth Copeland and, and Creflo Dollar and about any of those in that camp that you can find. Now hear me. I don't believe Kenneth Hagin done some things on purpose. I'll just tell you up front so you can just breathe out. But the fact of the matter is, is he did it. But it was error. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And it's, and it's beginning, now it's coming to full fruition through people like Bill Johnson. Out in Reading. And all of the ilk, and that's the word I mean to use. All the minions that incidentally led to dominion-ism. <laughs> Ism. The creed, schism. Are y'all okay? What am I talking about? Because they, they taught for years, still teach, a little God's doctrine. Oh. See, I don't even have time we don't have time. I could just start rolling tape. I could, I could show you circle conversations on a stage with well-known names. 
Kenneth Copeland and Paul Crouch for one of them. Sitting around. I mean, it's, it's, it's out there. And they're sitting around and Copeland is teaching everybody the doctrine of a little God. You know, that's what it is when you believe, you start believing that you can just say whatever you want to and God has to do it. I know that's, that's I've got friends that that's going to upset. It shouldn't upset you. You should cast off the outer works of darkness. It's what you, should, you, you say, you say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, I have sifted the bathwater through a strainer and there's no baby in it. But, it, but if we're going to go with that, go ahead and sift the trash out and, and admit that it was error and wrong. But I, I mean, we could watch the video, I mean, all of them. I wouldn't say anybody's name out loud I, from, a, from a pulpit that I couldn't back it up. And he'll begin to teach on the, what it means to be, I mean, the, the Bible talks about little gods. It has nothing to do with being a little deity. When you start ordering gods around, you know, have, have you never heard it said, you know, if you do that, if you do that, God has to. It's still in the theology of the, world, of, of the church fabric today. Oh, it's quiet. I must have went down Dagon's row. <laughs> and by the end of it, explaining the little God's doctrine, you have Paul Crouch saying, I am a little God. No, you're not. You're a human being that needs to be saved by grace through faith. That everything, the breath in your lungs comes from him. That where Job said, if I withheld my breath from the earth, that all life would die in a second. You owe him the breath in your lungs. The fact that he was willing to redeem the unredeemable through the blood of his son, the only human that has ever been divine. The only one who has ever been deity. Humanism. Secularism. Little gods. Experience over reason. Subjectivity over objectivity. Spiritual, spirituality over religion. Images over words. Outward over inward. Let me help you bring it down to less lofty. Your truth. And my truth. Everything's about how I feel and by what I want. Postmodernism. We now live in a postmodern world. You live in a postmodern world. It's the reason that things that are evil, according to the word, can be called good in society. It's the reason they're called the love of God and good, according to the word that the society calls evil. It's a postmodern world. Now, in a postmodern church. The postmodern church is not the biblical church. Help me read. Now that I've laid the groundwork and see what I saw the last few days. The prophecy that is 2 Timothy chapter 3. Will you read? But know this. You can start there. But know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. 
And then he's going to tell you what makes it perilous. Are you ready? For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemous. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I posted last week or so ago, I said, what do you suppose it means when the Bible says that men will become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God? What do you suppose that means? I, I've got about 10 seconds to explain it to you. I think I can do it in 10 seconds. It means that men will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's what it means. Having a form of godliness. Here it is. But denying its power. Spiritual. I, oh, I'm spiritual. Well, what about the blood of Jesus? I don't believe in all that blood stuff. What about the power of the Holy Ghost that's still here? I don't believe in all that Holy Ghost stuff. Well, what, you're, 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 you're spiritual. Well, yeah. I'm, and by the way, parents, grandparents, all of that, you know, in a Pentecostal church, in a Pentecostal, even the opening of this service today, where you, it unnerves, oh, you're making my kids nervous. And, and all the, that kind of atmosphere, there's, we're scared of that. I was always amazed at people that were scared of a, of, of a full gospel church. I raised with people, they were scared in a full gospel church, but they were at the haunted house the week before. They were at the exorcist the week before. They were at every Friday the 13th movie and every uh, Scream movie. And they weren't scared a bit. But when the Spirit of God began to move, they were, oh, I was scared to death. What, well, what did you think was going to happen to you? What, what, was it, what, the, what was it that you thought was going to happen? Was it going to get on you? What was it you thought was going to happen? Well, say, I've heard about you people. That's of the devil. I thought, let me talk about that of the devil stuff. If the power of God, if the spirit of God, and the things of the Holy Ghost are of the devil, it's the only devil I ever saw that caused people to not want to beat their wife anymore. It's the only devil I ever seen that caused a drunk to want to quit drinking. It's the only devil I ever seen that was caused an addict to want to quit snorting and shooting. It's the only devil I ever seen that made people want to live holy lives. It's the only devil I ever seen that that made that, that turned people's life that was upside down, right side up. If that's if that's a devil, come on, somebody. Scared of the thing. I'm spiritual, but I'm scared of the things of the spirit. No, you're convicted in your sin. No, you're uncomfortable in your trespasses. You, no, if you're, the, let, me, let me help you. You are under conviction. What is that? That is a place where the Spirit of God has spoken to you and not because of the preacher said or not because Mama said and not because Mama said, not because Daddy said. It's the day that you knew that I am lost and I am a sinner in need of a holy God and your fear is that you don't want to change. Your fear is that I don't accept that. Your fear is that I'm not, but not today. That's the fear. You ain't, you ain't scared of what's going on in the room. I've done seen your life. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. By the way, church, 
from such people turn away. For it is of this sort who creep. Boy, this next few verses is going to upset the feminist. Going to upset the progressives. Have y'all ever noticed that there's nothing more regressive than a, than a progressive? I'm just asking. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that? I, I, I've been watching all this stuff about how, how, uh, how uh, Christians are, are fascists and, and want to control your life. It ain't Christians that's out killing people for not believing the way you believe. I got, I got just a minute. It, it, it's not Christians that are firing people because you believe different than I do. It's progressives. It's not, it's not Christians who can't get a job as a professor unless you think like this. It's not Christians who were the president of every Ivy League so-called intellectual institution that were all anti-Semitic bigots that had to resign in shame. Somebody ought to preach. Somebody ought to preach. And Christians that, that, that want, to, want you to lose your job, lose your home, lose your whatever because you don't think like I And Christians that people are dying at the edge of a sword. You say, well, that happened back in the Crusades. I got news to you. That was ism. Because that Christianity is not at the edge of the sword. Because see, religion's death. Christianity is life and peace in Christ Jesus. Say, boy, you need new prescriptions. I don't like the way you're preaching. From such runaway of this sort. Oh, here it is. Ooh. You know, I struggled over these next two verses. I, and I'm not kidding. I struggled over these next two verses for about 30 years, Jeff. I'd read it and I'd say, what does that mean? Ooh. Of this sort are those who come creep into households. And take, make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sin, led away by various lusts, always learning and never coming to the, able to come to the knowledge of truth. That's six and seven. I thought, what does that mean? You know what it means? It means what it says. And, 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 the, and the Holy Spirit doesn't take Western culture and feminism and progressivism and all that junk into consideration. You know, it, it doesn't care if it, it offends your political sensibilities. I might as well, I got to hurry because I got to baptize people in a minute. Yeah, you know what's going on here? There's a reason for this. I won't sit down. Uh, newsflash. This is going to be education for some. Are you ready? I got to sit down. Men and women are different. Yes, he did. God created them that way. As much as the political situation would tell you they're, they're, they're exactly the same. Survey says that is a lie. Ah, newsflash. God created us that way. And it was a mistake. 
Oh, I could give examples, but I'm not sure. It's, it's, not, it's not crude, but I'm not sure how well it would fly in a sanctuary. <laughs> We're created differently. culture has spent at least 40 years really it's 50 years because it began in the ni- about 1960 is actually when postmodernism began to take hold in the culture and it's literally what's being being built everybody's the same anything you can do I can do better I can do anything better than you no you can't no, you can't. <laughs> Men are stronger in general. Now, I've met some women I wouldn't fight. <laughs> Somebody help me. Yes? If you don't believe that, you know, when we have, we're in all this, we're in an age of insanity. And by the way, it is postmodernism at its culmination. I got good news here in a minute. I really do. It's, called, it's postmodernism because you can be, you know, everything's relative. Everything's subjective. Everything is what you want it to be. I mean, you want to be a man, be a man. You want to be a woman, but you got boy parts, be a woman. That's another Don Brinkle moment. Dummy, dummy, dummy. And I'm going to tell you something. You've lost a lot of freedom whenever, even in the United States of America, when you're starting to have laws and regulations meant to, 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 to find you, condemn you, charge you, when, when you're not willing to go along with people's own lies. I said, you can lie to yourself all you want to. You can rename, you can, if you're, if you're not, if you were born Tommy and you want to name your, you want to change your name at the court to Susie Showboat, I'll call you Susie Showboat. You had your name changed to it. You can, you can change your name to anything you want to, but I'm not going to call you she because I don't have to go along with your mental illness. Really what it is is your depravity. I don't have to go along with it. You can't, you can't make me check my brain at the door. Some of y'all are real uncomfortable. I don't care. This is the place you're going to hear truth. You say, I don't know, you're here to preach the gospel. This is the gospel. I'm just reading it to you. The gospel is the good news. The gospel, God, and it's not, there's not your truth and my truth. There's God's truth. And by the way, there is a lie that's permeated the society that says all truth is God's truth. That's not true. That is not true. That is actually postmodernism and humanism. There may be some devils that say, the devil said some things that were true, but it wasn't God's truth. Somebody here needs to hear that. You know, we suppress this and take that, you know, and, and you know, they're just like everybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on here in a second. I, but did you see that MMA fighters here well, about three months ago that, you know, they put them in the ring, you know, trans against natural men? That natural man about killed her. When? In about 45 seconds, about killed her. And by the way, whoever let that happen was wrong. 
You don't kill people to make a point. Are y'all still with me? I'm just going to be right where we're at because that's right where we're at. If, you, if somebody don't say it, they're going to believe it. But half of them, most of this crowd right here already believe it. Let, let me give you a newsflash, mom and dad. They already believe it. Because mom and dad would never say in their home, that's you, that's me. When, they, when you thought it was just cute and silly, we laughed about it. Oh, you know why they believe it? Because the education system's pointing it and mom and dad don't dispute it. That's why. That's why. And you know who else is not doing it? The pulpits. I'll go back to this morning. See, see, man, yeah. That's a signed and dated note. You know what that means? Let me help you with some things. Signed and dated notes never leave. They go into a place where I never lose them. Because signed and dated notes are important. As a pastor and a minister of the gospel, I am willing to offend you now. If it will save you later. That's why I'm willing to say if, you, if you're going to fight everything that goes on here and you're going to be in the way of everything that God's trying to do in your life and in your family, yes. highway's right there. Does that mean you want people to leave? No, I don't want people. But you know, I heard one preacher said that when he got there, there were three, funeral, three funerals away from revival. We used to sing, I'm in the way, the bright and shining way. And I don't think it's the way they meant it, but I mean, there were some people who sung that literally. I'm in the way and I have been for 40 years. <laughs> and they were like a tree planted by the water. They shall not be moved. <laughs> you got the car running, baby? We got somebody take the heater out of that water. They'll move quicker because <laughs> I got to get out of here. Here comes some good news, but it's just, this is postmodernism. Second Timothy chapter three. That's what it is, Matt. That's what it is. It's a is a vivid description. Your truth, my truth. Your way. Now, Janus and Jabris. Resisted Moses. See, it's resistant to the truth. So do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds. Disapproving concerning the faith. Here's some good news. Right here it is. I, Brother Scott, I've never seen this before. Now, Janus and Jabberson resisted Moses and go back. These are the ones who resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. Next screen. But they will progress no further. For their folly will be manifested to all as theirs was also. You know what I saw? I've never seen it before. We're in this age right now. But just like Janus and Jabberson were made fools of, when they resisted Moses in Pharaoh's courts. Oh, they, they, looked, they looked all that for a while. Scott, it's not going to last forever. 
Because all this crowd that he's just talked about, he says that their, that their resistance is going to fall just like the, the resistance of Janus, Janus and Jabez did. Why? To the power of God. It's going to, all this lies, all this relativism, it's all going to fall to the power of God. Because people are going to find out that men can't get pregnant. They're going to find out that when, that it's not just that, but that's where we're at. They're going to find out that men and women are different. And God did create them that way. And that he created families. And here, here's some things. Because this, is, this is the postmodern world. Are you ready? That marriage is whatever we say it is. No, it's not. Marriage belongs to God. It's scriptural. It's not a political issue. It's became a political issue. But it's a spiritual issue. God, marriage belongs to God. That families is anything I said it is. No, family belongs to God. That sexuality is anything I said it is. No, sexuality belongs to God. That, that men and women and how they're built or whatever I want it to be. No, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. You can resist for a while and you can, and you can, make, and you can make headway for a while, but it's going to be exposed for the foolishness it is because you're going to hit a, blo a, a, a block wall because the, 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 the things of God never change. You might as well be hot trying to hold back the, the, the tide with the screen door. It's not going to happen. But he turns to us. He says, but you have faithfully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. Persecutions. Now he's talking. You know what? This actually was actually talking to the apostate church. Do you know that? What he describes in, in, in the first part of, of 2 Timothy chapter 3 is not necessarily talking about the streets, but it's certainly on the streets. He's talking to the apostate church. He's talking about people who claim to be believers. Remember having a form of godliness, but denying the power of. They claim to be, they, they claim believism, but they don't live according to the word. But now he turns to the faithful. He talks about, he says, and you're, here's the things you're going to meet, but you have, you have stuck with the faith. You have faithfully followed my doctrine. That's my teaching, my manner of life. You, you remember he said, follow me as I follow Christ. You follow me. Or my purpose, my faith, long-suffering, love, persecutions and afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and, and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord has delivered me. Yes, and all. Who desire to live God is talking to this age. And all who desire to live godly lives will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. But you. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and be assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. Believer, you need to learn to be assured of the Word of God. Young person, you need to learn to be assured of the Word of God and whom you have learned them. And that from childhood, from when? From when? Let's wait till they're 18 and then start teaching them something about life. Because they can't handle it. 
But from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. When should they start learning the Holy Scriptures? From childhood. You know why? Because the world's not holding back. They're, t- they're, they're teaching them how to put on rubbers in kindergarten. You, I, I can say it fluffier than that if you want me to, but they're teaching them how to put on rubbers in kindergarten. Not in San Francisco. Which are able, which you, you, from childhood you know the whole, which are able, that means able means has the power to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Listen, all scripture. Mag Church, all scripture. How about you just say that? All scripture. Let me help you with that. All scripture means from Genesis 1 and 1. To Revelation 22, 21. All scripture. Not just written in red. Not just Matthew on. All scripture. Is given by inspiration of God. It means it's breathed by God. And it's profitable. Doesn't mean you're going to make money on it. It means it's going to do you good. For teaching, for doctrine. Oh, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Oh, I thought it was to make you feel good. Jeff, I don't know if your version is different than mine. I've, there's a lot of different. Does any of the versions say all Scripture is there to make you feel good? Or does it reprove you, correct you, instruct you? That the man of God, who? The world? The man of God. By the way, that's mankind, all the feminists out there. It includes women. Maybe complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second Timothy 3 is the description of where we're at. 2 Timothy 4, you know what I'm going to say. Got Paul's closing words to the church world, period, the end of his life. Last thing he had to say is the solution. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Out of season. Oh. Coddle. Snuggle. And make them feel good. Convince. Rebuke. Exhort. With all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come. And I would say, and now is. When they will not endure sound doctrine. Doctrine means teaching for anybody that trips over that. I don't like doctrine. Well, doctrine means teaching. But according to their own desires. Did you read read what I said? According to their own desires. What is that? 
relativism. It's what I want. According to their own desires, because they have itching ears, will heap up for themselves teachers. Did I say people's name out loud earlier? I did. Man, that makes people mad. I've lived through it so far. They will turn their ears away from truth. And be turned aside to fables. Anything you believe about God that didn't come out of this book is a fable. It's a fairy tale. There's a lot of people think this word is a fairy tale until they meet it. Even the things they don't believe. Talk to the students about, it don't matter what you believe when it's true. You can quit believing in gravity. Anybody want to quit believing in gravity? Meet me on the roof. (laughs) Meet me on the roof. I believe in gravity. You don't believe in gravity. I'll let you test it. You're going to find out that you're going to hit the ground. You can call that something else if you want to, but you're going to hit the ground. You can try to go out of this world without Jesus Christ as your Savior if you want to, but you're going to hit hell. You really are because it's a real place. Moral relativism and humanism and the, more, and, the, and the postmodern church would tell you that hell is just a notion, an idea, uh, and, I, uh, uh, and heaven is just a state of mind. No, heaven is a real place. And real people are going to go there, and it's sweet, and it's eternal life, and it's, and, it's, and it's beyond description. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, never has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus had more to say about hell than he did about heaven, and he said it's a place that is real, and a place that is outer darkness, and it's a place where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. He said it is a place where the fire is not quenched and the worm dies not. You can test that if you want to, but just as sure as you jump off of this roof that gravity is going to prove itself. One heartbeat out of this world into eternity, you're either going to be in the presence of the Lord or in eternal damnation. End of story. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Rich man and Lazarus, he he didn't believe. Well, I'll believe then. I'm wrapping up. No. Rich man says he lifted up his eyes in hell. And he saw Lazarus in paradise. He said, send Lazarus to dip his finger and just touch my tongue. That this torment would stop. Send me back and tell my brothers. Or let me go. He said, no. He said, he had, the, he had the word and the prophets. He said, they didn't believe them, they won't believe you. And I got news for you, it's the same way today. You don't believe the word, you don't believe the preacher, you don't believe the truth. When you're up against it, you won't believe it then either. But one heartbeat on the other side, you'll believe it. Because either way, because see, you have your faith in something. If you have your faith in who he is and what he's done. If you have your faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, see, as Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You have your faith in who he is and what he's done. Your faith is going to become sight. 
You know what? If you have your faith in yourself, your notions, your truth, because you've got your faith in something, guess what? Your faith is going to become sight too. I, I bet you've never heard anybody. Your faith is going to become sight. Whatever you believe, your faith is going to come, become sight. And it's going to be according to that word. Because his word is truth. <laughs> See, we're up, against, we're up against more than apathy. We're up against more than complacency. We're up against a postmodern thought that nothing's real. Everything's relative. Nothing can be for certain. There's no absolute truth. The only thing that can combat that, Jeff, is the word preached and the Spirit of God touching the life. That's it. Amen. That's it. Amen. It's the only thing that can break it. That's why it's still by the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. It's still the goodness of God that draws men into repentance. You know what? It's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. Say the old age old questions. Why would a good God send people to a devil's hell? You're dummy, dummy, dummy. No. The heart of man is above all things wicked. Who can know it? No, you were wicked and lost. And a good God that didn't have to made a way back. It's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. Somebody's still not convinced. So hear me. I'll say it a different way. I'm just sticking with the word. The wages of sin is death. Remember, mag people, you know. All of you have worked for a living maybe at some point, I hope. When you worked, you had an agreement with your employer. What, right? Wages. What, you, you, a certain amount of time, a certain amount of money. You agreed to it, right? Wages. You know what? They, you worked it, so now they're what? Owed you. They owe you. The wages of sin is death. It's owed you. The wages of sin, you earned it. It's owed you. But the gift of God, you know what a gift is? This is not high theological talk. A gift is as I just wanted to do it and I gave it to you. Grace, unmerited, undeserved. You didn't, you didn't deserve it. But he just offers it. Saved by grace through faith. But the gift of God. There was nothing you did to deserve it. Nothing you, you couldn't work to get it. See, your wages come with sin. And it's death. But the gift of God is eternal life. He didn't have to. But he just did. And you know what? The gospel still works in a postmodern world. The truth is still truth even when people don't believe it. A lie is still a lie if everybody believes it. The word is still true. God is still good. And there's still a way back to him. And it's grounded in truth. Yes, it started with the bang in this service. And by the way, I still meant every word of it. We're going to have an outpouring of God in this place. We're going to. You can, if you don't want to, don't. But I, we're going to. 
And we're going to preach what's right and do what's right and face it off. Why? Because I'm willing to offend you now if it will save you later. Stand with me all over this place. What was the last song y'all sung? Worship team, come. Before we, before I came to sing that last song, I can't even remember what it was now. Just sing that. This is way earlier. If you go here, you know we're, we're moving early because we got to baptize here in a minute. But there's no much more important today than to throw the net. <laughs> Sing. says something I want to leave to you maybe a skeptic or the cynical or just the doubter or maybe even the unbeliever in Acts 17 11 Paul had been to places that he'd been assaulted and he'd been to places that he'd been persecuted for the gospel's sake and they sent him away but he sent him to, the, to Berea and there were people there. They went and taught among the synagogues, unbelievers, Jews. It says that these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Now, these were not believers. But he came and preached. He said these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. And that they received the word with all readiness. And searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. I would highly encourage you, anything that's hacked you off this morning, there's, a, I, there's no doubt in my mind the crowd this size and the things that's been said, there's things in there that I hacked you off. Or the word did. Use what every word, fill in the blank. There's other words for that. 
I encourage you. See, these weren't believers. I, I challenge you. Unbeliever and believer alike, search the scriptures to see whether it be so. And when they did, therefore many of them believed. Everybody needs something to believe in. And you do believe in something. Find out what's true. The greatest testimony of the truth of this word is the prophets. You want to doubt this book? You say, what's the proof? I'll tell you the greatest proof of this besides my life. Who was dead in trespasses and sin. My life is a testimony to the truth of this word. And if you're his, your life is a testimony to the truth of this word. But skeptic, let me tell you the testimony of the truth. Go find out what the prophets had to say in the Old Testament and lay it beside history. And you know what you're going to find out? You're going to find out whether it be true. And in the meantime, let God be true and every man a liar. Every one of them. <laughs>